The following message from Bible teacher and pastor Jim Crabb is brought to you by Imago Day Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Ohio. Appreciate that. Amen. Would you bring your Bible this morning? I believe the Word is uh, so important today, and I believe God's got a Word for you and for me and for our church and uh, for the city and the nation and the world. Um, During this time of prayer and fasting, I made a determination that we need to do first things first. That during this time of prayer and fasting, we should, before we go into the rest of the year, that we should be very introspective during this prayer and fasting season. That we should look at our own hearts to make sure that we are in a right place to to fulfill these great visions and goals and dreams that we have in our life. And I think if we give God this first month and be willing to look at a deeper level at our own lives and place and take personally the word of the Lord and let the spirit of God deal with our hearts, I think it would move us way down the road. So I'm in the book of Revelation this morning, chapter uh, 1. And... uh, I want you to just receive what the Spirit says to you through the Word today. Okay? Verse 8 of Revelation 1. This is red letters in my Bible. And it says, uh, this is when John the Apostle was banished to the island of Patmos. Historians tell us that Patmos was a rocky, treeless, volcanic island where they would banish the worst and the most hardened criminals that they didn't, if they didn't murder them and execute them, they would banish them to this island off the coast so that they could, so that the rest of the people could be protected from these, these criminals. And John... The apostle was banished there for the, for the word of God that was in his heart. And because of that, he had a testimony of Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I read stuff like that, I say, I wonder if, I, I wonder if my life would have enough, that my life would have enough evidence against it that I was a born again, spirit filled, Jesus walking, Jesus talking, not a hypocrite, that I was full of the Holy Ghost. I wonder if there'd be enough evidence against my life that was filled with love and peace and joy and hope and grace and, and faithfulness and, and love for the house of God and soul winning, all those things. I wonder if there'd be enough evidence against me that if I was living during that time that I'd be banished to that island. Huh? I pray that they would banish me, that the jury wouldn't be out one minute and they'd, they would vote me banished. Hallelujah. 
Well, John was. You know, John was a great apostle. They tried to kill him, tried to get rid of him and boil him in oil. And history says he wouldn't die. So what else are we going to do with him? We'll banish him to an island full of criminals. And so this is all during this, that, that's what's going on here. And that's where this revelation came from. And um, in verse 8, it says that Jesus spoke and said, I am Alpha, which is the Greek for beginning, and Omega, which is the Greek for end. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and was and which is to come, the Almighty. How many are glad today that Jesus was there in the beginning? That Jesus was there the day you got saved. That Jesus was there before you got saved. That Jesus was there in the middle of your journey. That Jesus is going to be there at the end of your journey. At the end of every trial you're in, Jesus is there. At the beginning of every trial you're in, Jesus is there. He is the beginning and the end. Verse 9. I, John, who am also your brother and your companion in tribulation. Isn't that something that even the, you know, it's not just you and I and people like us that, that feel like we're just kind of not special people, but even what we would call heroes of the faith and special people, they are companions with us in our tribulation. So I want you to know today, whatever you're going through, you have brothers in the Lord. We're all going through it together with you. We're all on this journey together. and We're all facing this very same devil. We're all facing the same battles. We're all facing the same uh, things that are coming against our life. Amen.
He said, and in the kingdom and in the patience of Jesus Christ, he said, I was in the isle that is called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Hallelujah. He said, I heard behind me a great trumpet, as it were, a great voice like a trumpet. And that that voice that sounded like a trumpet said, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book. And send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, under Ephesus, and under Smyrna, and under Pergamos. And under Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. So these were seven distinct churches. Those churches were a group of ecclesia, it's called. That's the Greek word. It's, that's, the ecclesia is the called out ones. That's why I can mess with, it, with you like I can't go into McDonald's and mess with people because not everybody in McDonald's is part of the ecclesia. But if you're here, you're part of the ecclesia, the church. They're, you've been called out. I'm telling you, that's why we can talk to you boldly and with some level of authority and tell you things by the Holy Ghost because you are the ecclesia. You're the church. You've been called out. You've been marked by God. We don't do what other people do. We cannot. We don't get to get away with stuff that others. We, we, we are, we are slaves by choice. That's what, when Paul wrote a letter, he would say, I, Paul, the prisoner of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which, but he wasn't a prisoner against his will. He was a prisoner by choice. I've chosen to be in chains and serve God. Can I hear amen? We're, this, and there were seven. Excuse me. My voice is getting there. I can do things this week I couldn't do last week. So if I'm still. Yeah. Uh, but there were seven of these churches. They were churches just like this church. Those churches, each one had a pastor and a shepherd. Hmm? Those churches, they had leaders. They had elders. Those churches in Pergamos and Thyatira and Philadelphia were seven distinct churches that, that were planted, by, most of them by the Apostle Paul. And by the Spirit of God, he set up leaders in those churches. Well, God knew about every one of those churches. I'm glad that God just doesn't keep his eye on mega churches. Huh? God keeps his eye on big churches, little churches. If they're a valid Holy Ghost church, God keeps his eye on that church. And God cares about that church. In fact, you know the statistics that, that really, at, at large... There are an incredible, most churches are not mega churches. Most churches are very small churches. I mean, there's, you know, we don't consider ourselves a big church, a middle church. I mean, we were, but, but I mean, there's some tiny little groups together that, that are getting together today that are, that, that maybe have 15 or 20 people in them, man, but they got them a pastor they got them a church. They got them elders and leaders. And they've got a Bible. They've got the Word. And they've got the Holy Ghost. That's a church. 
And if it's a God-ordained church, you know, size doesn't make it God-ordained, does it? Huh? Size is not a, 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 a commendation of approval. So size is, is, is not the issue. In fact, this year, the Lord is, Dr. Hanner and I have talked about, Dr. Hanner is going to lead, and we're going to do it here. We're going to do a seminar for small church pastors. Because, you know, we got to keep these small church pastors encouraged and validate them and make sure they know that they're fine and they're to be honored and respected and stuff. We're going we're gonna to show them that. Anyway. Praise God. So these are the se- these seven churches. And he told him to write something to these seven churches. He said, I turned, verse 12, to see the voice that spoke with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the middle of the seven candlesticks, there was one like to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, girt about to the paps with a golden girdle. Where was he? He was standing right in the middle of the seven golden candlesticks. His head and his hair were white like, white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. That's the Jesus we're serving today. And his feet were like fine brass burned in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun that shineth in strength. What a vision, man. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. I'm convinced that if we would see Jesus in all of his glory, I'm not talking about seeing the 2018 concept of what Jesus is. I'm talking about getting back to the Bible and somebody having a wake-up call and let's get back to seeing the Jesus of the, of the book of Revelation and let's see Him like He really is and let's let Him get in the midst of the, of the, of the church and let's let Him show Himself what He wants to be. When I saw Him, I fell at His feet as dead And he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid because I'm the first and the last. That's the third time in this chapter he said that. He said, And I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Man, I tell you, no matter what... Where you are in your tribulation, where you are in your battle, whether you're at the beginning of it or or midway through it, I want you to know that he was dead, the one that was dead but is alive now, and he is alive forevermore, is in the midst of your life. Look at this now, and I've got the keys of hell and death. I want you to know that the devil doesn't have the keys of death and hell today. Jesus said, I've got the keys of the kingdom of God. Jesus has got the key, amen, to your victory. Jesus has got the key to everything that's trying to stop you, keep you back and keep you down and keep you from becoming everything God wants you to be. Jesus has got the keys. Somebody ought to just stand up right now, amen, and shake your hands and say, He's got the keys.
I'm telling you, he's got the keys. He's got the key to my future. He's got the free the keys to my destiny. He's got the keys to my healing. He's got the keys to get me through. He's got the keys to, to every unanswered prayer. He's got the keys today to that which I don't understand. I'm telling you, he's got the keys of everything, including the ones to death and hell. Somebody shout glory. Let's say it together. He's got the keys. Oh man, I'm telling you in the midnight hour, you ought to jump out of your bed and shout, devil, Jesus has got the keys. Jesus, you, the devil will try to lie to you and tell you that he's got the keys to your future, but I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost, the devil has not stolen the keys. He doesn't have the key to my future. He doesn't have the key to the church. He, does, he can't stop us because he doesn't have the keys. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, he's got the key to your victory. He's got the key to your next step. He's got your keys, Pastor Rick. He's got your keys, Mark and Terry and every other preacher that's in this building. Jesus has got the key to unlock everything. Jesus has got the keys to our revival that's beginning. Jesus has got the keys to, the, to break the spirit of apathy that's in the earth today. It's not going to get in here. Jesus has got the keys to your healing. He's got the keys to knowing where your spouse is if you're unmarried. He's got the keys to your marriage to make it a glorious marriage. Jesus has got the keys to everything about your life. Let's give him a hand clap of praise and shout. Be seated. Let me get where I'm going here. Hallelujah. Or keep standing. Whatever. Hallelujah. Verse 19, he said, Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things that will be hereafter. Listen to what he said in verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand. Remember that? In the, there was a candlesticks first. And then in the middle of the candlesticks, there was the Son of God. And the Son of God had in his hands seven stars. So there's seven candlesticks, one Son of God, and seven stars. Right? He said, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven gold, golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which you saw are the seven churches. So the, the seven candlesticks that he saw in the vision are the seven churches, the church at Philadelphia, the church at Thyatira, the church at Pergamos, the church at Laodicea, and etc. The seven churches. They are called candlesticks. The seven stars that he had in his hands as he stood there are the, the seven messenger. The, the word angel there is the same word they would use for a messenger. And, and in my view, and I think commentaries and biblical scholarship bears this out. This wasn't like a, an angel, like a cherubim angel that represented the seven stars. 
It's the messenger at that church. The, the messenger of the church at Thyatira is the, the primary voice, preacher, the messenger, the one that God uses to speak to that church as he, he uses lots of different people, but, but at large there is a, a voice of the church, the pastor, the, 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 the if you bear with, the star of, of the church, not star because of, you know, you're famous and stuff, but you're, but the star is the messenger. The one that has the voice to the church. Okay, so that bears that. So we got seven churches, and each church has an angel or a messenger. I use this when I get in trouble with Sarah, too, and say, Sarah, I'm telling you, the Bible says I'm an angel and a star. She doesn't believe that either. But. Now listen, it's, okay, so let, listen to what he said. I just want to read through. You know, Jesus knows about every church. Well, what's that mean? He knows about the church building? No, deeper than that. He knows the hearts of, 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 of this church. He knows the hearts of every church in Cincinnati today. He knows what's going on there. And I want you to know, um, we're going to read this in a minute. He's got an opinion about it. He's got, he's got thoughts about what he thinks about what's happening at this church. Okay? And every church. And so, verse chapter 2, having said all that, verse 1. Unto the angel of the church, or the pastor, or the messenger of the church of Ephesus, write this. These things saith he that hold the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He said, verse 2, I know thy works. So that's where we can, we can say, uh-oh. I know your works. So that can be good or bad. If you don't have any works... Or you're working evil, that'd be a bad thing. But here's, here's my point. He knows it. He knows every, every detail about this church. Every big church, every little church. He knows. He knows, you know, you know churches um, are just like anything else. There can be corruption in churches. There can be hypocrisy in churches. There can be abuse in churches. People can be sneaking, doing stuff in, in, in churches. Right? That shouldn't come. It's, you know, it's not a church issue. and it's, a, it's humans have deal with stuff. Okay? So he said, I know your works. In other words, man, I know exactly what's going on at your church. I know what you're doing. Okay? And thy labor. I know what you're laboring at. I know what, I can tell you this. He knows whether we are laboring or not. He knows, he knows if we're working, if we're pulling our load, if we're doing our part or not. 
We have a part to play in this city. We have a part to play in the world scheme of things. I can tell you right now, if you don't think we do, I, I can tell you all the missionaries we support every month are glad we've been about our Father's business because we sow money to them on a regular basis that they count on and they depend on. They're glad we've been working along and getting things done so that we can keep the money flowing to them. I know your works and your labor. And you sounded more excited about him having the keys than this part right here. I know your works and your labor and your patience or your endurance and how you can't bear them which are evil. That's That's a good thing. So far, we're really doing well. He knows the good part. So he knows they're working hard. He knows they're laboring. He knows that they've endured a lot of stuff. Huh? He knows what you've been through. He knows the hard things. He knows when somebody's, he knows all the people that have mistreated you. You know he knows that? And he watched you have to get through that and understands how difficult that is because Jesus is the good shepherd and he had to deal with people when he was on the earth. He understands that. He knows about that, man. He said, you can't bear them that are evil. That's a good thing. And you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and you found them liars. That's a good, that's a compliment to the messenger of the church. In other words, you've done the right thing. You haven't let any, just anybody blow through and say they're an apostle and they were sent from God and let them just do anything, but, but they really weren't. You know, not everybody that, that says they're a prophet is a true prophet. I still believe in trying the spirits to see whether they're of God, don't you? And their apostles are that way. There's pastors, there's false pastors, there's false teachers, there's false prophets. There are. He said, I'm proud of you. Jesus is complimenting them, saying, I'm proud of you because you have found some that have come your way that were false apostles, and you 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 had to, you know. And, and, and somebody had to do it. Somebody had to, had to call a meeting with that guy that said he was an apostle, but, he's be, but there was something in your gut that didn't seem right about that person. I've been in those meetings, man. Those are not easy meetings. Those are tough meetings. You've got you to gotta challenge some things and have discernment because just like there can be a, a wolf in a sheep clothing, there can be... There can be a guy that's dressed and dresses in apostle clothing, but he and he may have all the marks and looks of an apostle, but something's not right. And you put him on trial, you and the other leaders, and you found them to be liars. That's a part of church that doesn't get out here, but happens back here. Huh? And Jesus is complimenting the 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 uh, star, the pastor, the the, the angel of the church. Huh? And you have borne and had patience or endurance for my name's sake, and you have labored and have not fainted. So, man, you're on a roll. You're doing great. But then, how I many know you got to let Jesus finish? Huh? And Jesus said, 
Now, how if he just said all those good things about this church, how can this church have any issues? But Jesus thinks they do. Nevertheless, even though you've done all that. Now, listen, I started this saying what we're doing today is we're, we're being introspective. We're trying to take this personal. I want every family to hear me right now. I want every believer to hear me right now. I'm talking. Are you preaching at me? Yes. Yes. Because I love you. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. He didn't say he hated you. And didn't say he was going to cast you in the abyss because you had some issues or things that you need to do better at. He just said, I got something against you. It's not all good, bro. I want you to know during these 30, you know, we're pretty brave, man, to take 30 days and set him aside and say, Jesus, come talk to us here because he, he's not shy. I've been rebuked more in the last five days than I have in a long time because he's dealing with me. He's making me check things that I let go of and put off that may not seem like big things to anybody else. But he cares about them. And I know he does. He said, nevertheless, I've got something against you. I want you to know today. So, I'll be, in my life, there are definitely things that I know he's got against me. Things I need to do better is simply all that means. Look at, look, at, look at this verse in verse 4. Because you have left your first love. Look here. I'm not a prophetic guy. In the, they, no, people don't look at me as the prophetic guy of our generation. But prophetically, I'm going to speak this. And I really believe that the sin of this entire spiritual generation is that verse right there. This generation, if we have sinned, we've done a lot of great things, man. There are so many good things happening in the world, in the church, in the body of Christ. And it's amazing that all these good things are happening while at the same time, at large, the heart of the culture and the generation have left their first love. Church attendance is, is not blossoming. Just this, I'm talking broadly. Church, any, anymore, we've said this fact. The, the general consensus today among believers is that if you, if you attend church, I, I've heard it less than this, so I don't want to exaggerate. But if you attend church two times a month, that's, that's Sundays, midweek, special things, whatever. Two times a month, you, most people today think that that is absolutely, they consider themselves a really plugged into that church. I'm concerned about 
the, the spirit of, and, and, you know, I say this with fear and trembling because this could come across like I got a bone to pick about church attendance and stuff. Listen, man, you're talking to the wrong guy. I've, I've preached to one. I've preached, I've preached to two. I've preached in big churches of 30,000, and I've preached to hardly anybody. I've preached to happy people, sad people, mad people, glad people. I've pre- when I've been preaching, people were throwing money. They were running around the church building, or they, or they, or they, and they, or another time, maybe they sat on the chair like they were stone made out of stone. So it's, it, I'm not trying to just get people in the building. I'm trying to tell you what the Bible says, and I'm telling you that church attendance and. You're, where you're, you're caring about the local church is a key to that, man. People's giving is, a, is part of that. How, how we tithe. Do we tithe? I, I want to challenge you and you get the word. You know, I, I've always been this way. I don't think anybody ought to really should be allowed to be a leader if they're not a tither. Because we, the leaders have to support this thing. You have to be a tither, man. You should be a tither. And if you're not one, and you but you, and you're struggling, you you can talk to us. I'll I'll get with you, man. I'll help you. But but that's at large. We, that's that's the thing, man. You got to do that. But but beyond the coming to church and beyond where your you know the money, man. There's just a this generation has lost its first love. I remember, you know, during the Jesus movement, and I know we're, this is just where we are, but, but we got to watch this or what, the way that people act can get on us. I remember, I can remember standing outside in lines, in, out, out in the freezing cold for an hour and a half trying to get in a church service, waiting to get in because the hunger was so great. Because there was a heart that people had for God that was incredible. Where people would sit. They didn't want to go home. They wanted to come. They wanted teaching. They wanted prayer meetings. They wanted Bible studies. There was just a a love for souls. We were always doing something to win people to Christ. There seems to be such a lack of zeal for the love for Christ. And really having a first love. It's just different now. Every pastor that you talk to will tell you the same thing. It's not, I'm not yelling at us. I'm just telling you, we, we're in the pot with everybody else. But I am talking to us today. That, that that's the way it is, man. That this, there's a spirit of apathy. And I thought, you know, the devil, we're not going to quit just to be quitting. Because we're lazy and not tough and all that kind of stuff. I thought one day, I thought, you know, the devil was going to try to beat us to death with people's apathy. They just don't care anymore. And, and that's what he's going to try to use to beat us to death. Huh? So we can't be moved by it. But I, what, the answer to it is let's, let's make sure that we're at, with our first love. You married people know what I'm talking about. How many know your wife knows when, when she's not your first love? 
When, and, and by that, I don't mean you've been having an affair. I just mean your heart's not where it used to be in terms of you can't wait to just be with her. Instead, you're, you, you know, you, maybe it's your work. Maybe it's making money. Maybe it's being away from her. She knows that. Because you left your first love. Right? I was prepared for this lack of excitement right here. <laughs> it's all right, man. I know it, man. What are you supposed to do? Go, woo? I don't know. Remember, <laughs> verse 5, he, I'm just challenging you, man. I'm trying to stir you up. Remember, when you get like that, what, what do you do? And this isn't to a bad church. This is to a good church. This can happen to anybody else. It, listen, man, this has happened to me. Remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen. Remember where you, remember where you used to be, in other words. Remember where you, how there's a drop-off. Remember, therefore, from when you are fallen and repent. In other words, and, and change your mind. Let there be a change of heart, a change of attitude, a change of mind. Let there be a turnaround. Let's stop you where you are right now. Stop doing it. Let's make a turnaround. Let's make a pause. Let's let Jesus speak to this church like he spoke to the you know, and he, he wrote there to the church at Ephesus and told them that. He said, remember where you used to be and remember from whence you were fallen and repent and do your first works. Or else, uh-oh, you mean there's consequences if I don't? I thought, I thought God loved everybody. He does. But I'm going to show you right there, he's not afraid to take your candlestick away while he loves you. Repent, do your first works, or else I will come quickly and remove your candlestick. And what was their candlestick? Their church. You got, you got three, issue, three things here. You got candlesticks, churches. You got stars that are angels or messengers, and you got the Son of God talking to the, to the messenger. He said, I will come if you will not do this. I will come and I will remove your church out of its place unless you repent. Hmm. Now, if you, you know, it's, it's kind of an awkward thing because if, if, if they've left their first love, do they even care if their church is there or not? Hmm? But, but this thou hast, and you have hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. That's a group of people that came from Nicholas the, uh, in Acts chapter 6 that was one of the deacons of the church that created false doctrine. But here's what, verse 7. I don't want to concentrate on that. Verse 7, though, I do. He that has an ear. This is what I would tell us today. He that has an ear. He that has an ear. He that has an ear. What does that say? That tells me that not everybody's got one. Not everybody has an ear. Not everybody wants to listen. 
Not everybody wants to hear what the Spirit of God says to the church. Not everybody wants to, keep, wants to hear. But he, I'm talking to he that has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to him that overcomes, overcomes what? Overcomes losing your first love. To him that overcomes, look what he said. I will grant to give you to eat of the tree of life, which is in the middle of the paradise of God. Now, you know, I want you later in the day, I want you to come on, worship team. I want you to read the rest of those words to the churches. I'm not going to take time to do that. But I'm going to, I want to challenge you for a minute. And I want, to, I, I want to challenge everybody in the church today to ask yourself this question. Does that message, does what, I, what Pastor read about the, the message to that church and leave you have left your first love? See, we're not going to concentrate on what we do well today. We want to get better and get fixed. That's why Jesus gave this message to those churches, because he wanted them to be better. And so he said, he said, you've done great at this and this and this, and you've endured stuff. You, look at these people, man. They have tried false apostles. They've found them liars. That's pretty bold. That's, they've, they've worked hard. They've labored. They've endured stuff. They haven't given up. But something's wrong. What's wrong? You've left your first love. Your heart for Christ is not where it used to be. And I want to say by the Holy Ghost, I just want to challenge all of us. Start, I'll start with me. I want to challenge you, Pastor. I want to challenge you if you're going to be big and bad enough to be the messenger of the church, Pastor. I want to challenge you to make sure that Christ is your first love. You know, be, because I get to preach every Sunday doesn't make Christ my first love. Because I'm a tither, that doesn't make Christ my first love. It's the attitude of my heart. It's a love affair. It's, it's something that your wife or spouse or your husband, when they know it's there or it's not there, it's, it's sort of a difficult thing to describe when you have their heart. Lord, I want you to know this is my prayer this week. I want you to know that I give you my heart again. I want to tell this church today, I want you to know that, I, that I give, I'm giving God my heart. I'm not just going through the motions of not eating food and coming to prayer meetings. I am doing the best I can to give God more of my heart. And make him more of my first love than I ever have before in my life. I've been saved 44 years. But I'm telling you that more of my heart is going to be set apart for God in 2018. That's not just hyper or hyperbole, man. That's, that's the truth. I'm telling you, that's what God's dealing Whether or not I'll do it or not is up to me. But I'm telling you, that's my quest. It's my highest goal. It's what I want more than I want to breathe in just a minute. It's what I want more than I want to eat than my next meal. And believe me, I'm telling you, I am hungry today. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I want something more than I want my necessary food. I want to, 
I want Jesus Christ to be my first love. I want to lead the way for you so that you can go to your next level and get out of where you are and be set on fire again. Some of you that used to be, come on, you used to come to prayer meetings, you don't come anymore. Some of you used to come to, the, to, to midweek services, you don't come anymore. Some of you that used to, to get here early and stay late and love the move of God, you don't do that anymore. Some of you just, there's a coldness to your spiritual heart and appetite for God. But I want to challenge you today. I want to dare you. I'm looking for he that's got an ear to hear. If you don't have an ear to hear, if you've got an attitude about me or about this church or you've heard, you know, listen to stuff about our church and all that kind of stuff was well, not going to help you much anyway. But if you've got an ear to hear what the Spirit says, I'm, I'm daring you to come on with me, to go a little higher, to do a little better. I'm challenging you to get, shake off your apathy. Shape off the, this, this, this whole culture is trying to get the church to dry up. They're trying to tell you the church is irrelevant. The church is not meaningful any longer. Well, I'll tell you, when I prayed over every chair last night, I said, God, somewhere, somebody tonight in our region is praying a prayer. Is there anybody that can help me? Lord, I'm asking you to send that person and put them in this empty chair. I'm asking you to fill every chair, every seat. I'm asking you to give us revival. But in order to have revival, we've got to have a revival of getting back to our first love again. I'm talking about boys and girls. I'm talking about youth. I'm talking about leaders. I'm talking about children. I'm talking about everybody, all of us. I'm talking about the pastor and his wife. God, have mercy on them. Lord, set a fire under us again and help our hearts be warmed to the Spirit of God calling us to a first love experience with Jesus today. How many at least know what I'm talking about? Amen. Let's all stand up today. I'm going to ask you, if, if you have an ear to hear and that's what you want, I'm just going to ask us to, you know, I can't make you do this. I... All I can do is tell you what I believe that God has spoken to me. And I'm daring you to be different than your culture, to be the salmon that swims upstream and come back to your first love today. If somebody's your first love, are you kidding me? My God, man, I'd climb mountains, ride bikes, walk for miles to see the one that my soul loved. I just kind of want to be like the girl in Song of Solomon. She, she sought for the one that her soul loved. She looked for him and one, one, that, I've, I've said this a lot, but in one of the chapters she said, when I heard the doorknob turn, my heart my heart just melted because I was in so, so much love with him. I said, oh my God, he's home. What, what joy we have in his presence coming to be among us. 
I want to be with him and I want to be in his presence, don't you? If you, if this is meaningful in any way today, I'm asking you to come. Let's just join and come to stand at this altar with me. This doesn't mean everybody coming has left their first love, we, but we're a people that say, Lord, I, I want to make sure I haven't left my first love. I want to make sure that I haven't left my first love. Just play that right there. Just keep playing that. I'm asking you, we're gonna, this is what we're going to do. We're gonna, I'm going to pray. And then you're going to put your hands out. And you're going to re-up and recommit to Jesus. You're going to say, Lord, you are my first love. I want you to be my first love. I want to put you before I put anything. I want to put you before I put myself. I love you. I love your church. I love your people. I love the kingdom. I love the move of God. I love praise and worship. I love giving. I love sowing. I love helping. I love laboring. I love working in the kingdom of God. I love mission trips. I love winning souls. I love to get together for prayer. I love to spend time alone with Him. I love to have daily devotionals. I love that my family loves Him. We're going to give him our heart today. Just put your hand out toward heaven. We trust you enjoyed this message. For more information about Pastor Jim Crabb and Imago Day, please visit our website at imagodeicincy.com. I-M-A-G-O-D-E-I-C-I-N-C-Y.com.